0: All right, we're going to get this thing started. We're here uh, chatting today with Sylvie Mix and Colin West. Hello. Yeah, the director, star, and co-writers of Double Walker. Yeah. And when this comes (laughs) out, the movie will already be out. Okay. um, We're going to be a little leery of spoilers, but you know what? We're just going to chat if anything comes out. I'm going to ask questions. Go see spoilers. the movie. So. I think if it's after the it movie came out, uh-huh. it's on them,
1: right? Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's They've yeah. had a day to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So just to get everything going, just tell uh, tell us how the idea came to, to both of you, uh, where the ideation for this film
2: started. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> I usually start this answer. So <laughs> um, I, in 2019... I was, um, in the springtime, I had just come out of an abusive relationship and was sort of, um, yeah, processing the emotions of that and feeling really angry a lot of the time. And so I was sort of channeling that into this, uh, I was brainstorming and sort of doing character designs for this graphic novel, um, about a female serial killer and I was sort of pouring all my violence into that, and um, and then Colin came to Columbus to work on this short that my mom and I shot with him, um, and that was really fun. That was sort of like my first, like real first film acting experience, um, and yeah, we got to talking during that trip, and uh, I mentioned this, like, graphic novel that I was sort of brainstorming, and in the moment, Colin was like, oh, that sounds really cool, you know, but we didn't talk about it too in depth, Um, and then Colin talked briefly about this graphic novel that he was working on about these twins and trauma, and so then a few months later, uh, Colin called me and was like, hey, I, like, keep thinking about this concept and like I kind of think we should try to do something with it and so then we just started FaceTiming like once a week having these like long epic you know three to five hour conversations and really it just started as like talking about themes and experiences we've had and current events and I mean it was really just conversations um and then yeah, it was never super plot based, but those conversations sort of evolved and totally. Well, yeah. I mean, like Silly and I have
1: been friends for like ten, fifteen years. Yeah.
2: Um, and uh,
1: you know, Silly's a total rock star, so I always knew that I wanted to like work with her in some way on something. And um, it sort of came down to that short film, and I was like, let's just like shoot something, figure it out in the moment, and then, um, you know, yeah, we just sort of really, I think, connected during making that and it was like oh let's try something bigger you know and uh you know we kind of came together and we're yeah facetiming a lot before before zoom this is like before the pandemic (laughs) so it's like before it was cool to be doing this cross country so I live in Los Angeles and she's in Ohio and um yeah we conjured up this story and then we just like went for it I mean like it was it was like within months we were up and shooting the thing like it was like maybe four months of like talking and quote writing
2: and then yeah, I mean even even like the term co-writers is interesting because it was never really like uh Wasn't it was even really, really written. You know, yeah, sorry. it was just like we would have these conversations and Colin would be taking notes and I sometimes took notes, but Colin would be taking notes and recording the conversations. Yeah, yeah, I would record. And then our next basically like within the next few days Colin would like send me a page or two that he had written sort of just like Summarizing the concepts we had been talking about,
0: and mm-hmm. so so was there ever actually a script? Because mm-hmm. I saw in the credits that Quinn was also credited mm-hmm. for writing his his, his monologue. And, speech, and honestly, yeah.
1: I think like, all, I mean yes, and that that speech was great. Yeah, Quinn Quinn Armstrong wrote his sort yeah, of uh, eulogy, eulogy yeah. speech yeah. as the father character, um, which was so good It thread its way it thread thread so well into the movie. But like all the actors brought that. I mean, because it was a very improvised movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, because so the script uh was we always describe it as like it was a 50-page like novella so it was never really a script it was more like this kind of wandering tale of this like ghost and her encounters with these people and sometimes there would also be like a sentence that would be like um you know the camera's on a high angle looking down you know or whatever it was like it was just not traditional at all it was just like this is just what we want to try to shoot you know
2: it was more just like atmosphere and feeling totally and like both of us are very visual people, so every once in a while we'd be like, "Okay, wait, no, this one shot. Yeah. Like, we definitely got to get this." this specific like moldy bit.
1: leaves on the ground, yeah, or something yeah. that's like really specific. Oh, it, but it
2: there really wasn't any through. dialogue written. Yeah. Um, and then Colin really just wrote a few pages of dialogue for when we did auditions, right? Um, so that people would have scenes to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of weird.
3: Yeah. A big. I mean, a big part of the tone and mood of it is the landscape of Columbus. What can you tell us about capturing that and how, um, how the place played into the filmmaking process? It's a great question, Andy. I, so I am from
1: Columbus. We're both from Columbus, Ohio. And I, but I haven't lived there for about 10 years. And um, so it's such a nostalgic environment for me. Especially because I've been in LA, which doesn't have seasons, and Ohio is like the place of seasons. It's like a very four-season place, and so especially coming here in the winter, um, it was it. It's such a such a specific atmosphere. Midwest winter, especially Christmas. I mean, this is a Christmas movie, really. There's Christmas lights, and you know, it's set during Christmas, um, and so you know, I think a lot of the like nostalgia of the place came in. And some of my favorite um, times in shooting were just going out and getting, like, B-roll of, like, the snow or the trees. And I spent, I mean, so much time just, like, wandering around the city with my tripod and the camera and setting it up and just... And we have so much. In fact, the first edit of the film Kara Burton put together was, like, a 10 or 12-minute just, like, B-roll with score,
2: it was so cool. It was, it was so kinda, good. It was kind of like a music video it almost. Was. It was just like this dreary Midwestern winter landscape. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: And it was sort of like, oh, this needs to be the movie. And like, we, 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 there are some like B roll sequences that we like really cut down, but I was like, oh, I really want this like 10 minute B roll <laughs> sequence that yeah. doesn't say anything except like tone. Was, mm-hmm. So, so yeah,
0: can I use yeah. some of that for a music video?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sure. Can I license probably, out the yeah, footage? There's plenty of it, yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah, no, the imagery of Columbus is beautiful. Yeah. Like, um, the landscape shots, the wide angles, and...
1: It's funny, you know, I think there's, it's sort of a, I think it's a, I don't know, it's got kind of a unique take on Ohio, too, because I don't think it's necessarily, like, Poser, the movie you shot, at basically at the same time, just before we shot Double Walker, and you shot your other movie, Poser, and it has, mm-hmm. it's also set in Columbus, and very much about Columbus. Mm-hmm. But it has a, you're seeing a different side of Columbus than Devil Walker. Yeah, very much so.
2: Yeah. Like the sort of end of summer, beginning of fall. Right. Yeah.
1: And then this is like dead winter gray. Mm -hmm. Even our like color grade was like, basically like, let's just keep it like kind of milky and like, you know, um, uh,
2: unsaturated and low contrast. And originally the whole movie was supposed to be snowy. Yes. But, and we were like, yeah, Ohio in January, it'll <laughs> definitely snow, like at least some of the time. And then it didn't end up snowing at all while we were the shooting. The whole time. The whole time. Three weeks, no snow. Uh, until the last day, the last scene, the last take, as soon as we wrapped on the entire movie just the fattest snowflake started falling from the sky and it was... It was magic. It was was magical, yeah. People were
1: like... Yeah, the Mm -hmm. whole crew was like trying to catch up. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like, oh my God. Because the whole time we'd been talking, it was kind of a joke on set because it's written into the script like snowy winter, whatever. And we did not get that.
2: And yeah, some of the cast members were from LA too and like hadn't really gotten to experience like that. So it was like it just added this extra element of magic. But also, it, you know, Worked out it worked how out. it was supposed to, I guess. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I never would have known that fact watching yeah. the movie. Yeah, like, yeah. I bet they wanted snow. Yeah, <laughs> they, no. We wanted
1: more snow than we got, but yeah. it, it worked out. It was funny because I think, like, Sylvie's character, you know, is, like, bleach white hair with a white, you know, uh, mm-hmm. coat and stuff like that. And so, like, the idea was actually to have her really blend into the scenery, mm-hmm. this, like, white world of mm-hmm. snow but then the opposite happened because everything in Ohio is like brown and gray in the winter mm-hmm. and um, sort of like degrading and dark. And so she wound up being like super contrasty, like this white figure against this dark background, um, especially a lot of the scenes were at night too. So um, it was uh, kind of the opposite, mm-hmm. which worked great. Yeah. So,
3: yeah. Um, tell, I, I wanted to ask a little bit more about the design of the ghost character, sort of the makeup and the wardrobe. Uh, You mentioned wanting to blend into the environment, but what were some of the other pieces of thought that went into that costume and that character?
2: Uh, I mean, I think we were really trying to go as simple as possible, relatively, but also like... I think we both really like the image of just like your typical sheet ghost, but also, you know, that's Mm -hmm. been done and, um, and trying to bring some level of humanity to the ghost character, I think. So, you know, I mean, she's obviously like bleached out and stands out in that way, but, um, also creating a look that like, uh, spoiler when she's a little more human later on and like going to the party and stuff a look that still can be very human um or kind of go that route and yeah i don't i,
1: I yeah and even like this idea where like she's she's sort of like given the ghost look um and it's like she sort of like acquires the t-shirt from the kid's closet and then she acquires the the coat from the lost and found at the movie theater it's like kind of like a a borrowed outfit that's like conveniently ghost like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that was also kind of like you know it's like in world but it's not it's not a co- like it's not a a costume, it's a, it's a piece of wardrobe, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of an interest. I mean, it is a costume, but it's, it's very much like in world, um, in a believable way that you were saying. And mm-hmm. so, um, it was a fine line. We went through, we looked at so many coats and, so many. and actually speaking of that, the coat we like special ordered from this, um, like company on Etsy who made them like custom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it took like, we were shooting and it wasn't until like the fourth day of shooting and we like were shooting a scene that like needed, the the coat and it like wasn't there yet and we were freaking out because we're like we can't shoot the scene without the coat otherwise it's not gonna match all the rest and we don't even know if the coat's gonna fit you like yeah anyway it arrived like just before we started shooting so like that morning yeah 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 yeah. so yeah thank goodness
2: but we definitely had sessions before we started shooting of like trying on several different long white t-shirts or dresses and just like
1: this like, like this oh. looks horrible like, yeah,
2: just like and then the makeup was really just trying to give my face a like I don't know mm-hmm. m- maybe more hollow haunting quality right uh, just to distinguish but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just, yeah. It, and we were just trying to be resourceful too I mean we, we weren't working with much so we were just True. like okay how can we make like a cool kind of ghost vibe with a jacket
1: was perfect.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, we liked
0: it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was almost like all the characters that could see you were were like helping you dress yourself. Mm.
1: Yeah, That's interesting. oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, a- another question for you, Sylvie. Um, how did you approach this performance and this character? Um, I mean, what's going on inside this character's mind? And I guess this is a place where we can get. More into spoiler territory, but you mm-hmm. have such an, like an esoteric character origin story. So I'm wondering, like, what are you thinking and feeling as you're going through these scenes?
2: Yeah. Um, well, uh, I think definitely. I mean, <laughs> yeah. As a as a kid, I definitely was growing up um, in. Uh, sort of abusive environments and so um, or like where I was witnessing a lot of abuse and so really trying to channel um, how it felt to be an observer as a child and not quite understanding why people behave the way they do but having a, a a general sort of black and white grasp on good and bad, um, which you know I think like with this with this film, like we really wanted to explore the gray spaces um, of of trauma especially and um, yeah, I think really just ch- channeling uh my child self and um a lot of the anger and sadness and regret that comes with trauma um, and trauma response and but like it never it didn't feel that difficult to me because i I think you know also we we specifically wrote <laughs> no dialogue I mean there was no dialogue, so it was it was really trying to just like um yeah, channel the the kid watching from around the corner and like,
0: uh, hold on
2: to a sense of of innocence almost, but like really trying to get a grasp on what. I mean, another thing is the dream in the in the movie is based on an actual dream I had when I was seventeen, going on eighteen, in which I died at 18 and actually like the way the dream plays out in the film is almost exactly how this dream was and it was this epic dream where yeah I was taken and given these two choices and I chose to remain a ghost and I literally was in a house with all the people I'd ever known and loved watching them all grow old and forget about me and die and so, like, really channeling that feeling, too, because that dream had me convinced my entire 18th year I thought I was going to die. And so, kind of channeling that, too, and just the, um, the pain and, like, loneliness that, that I felt in that dream. Um, so, coming at it from a few different angles, I guess. Yeah,
1: well, there's a lot there. I mean, I remember <laughs> you telling me that dream. And being like, well, there's the movie. We got it. All right, there it is. You know, like, cool. Let's just do that. Yeah, yeah, and I think, like, even, I mean, going back to your character, yeah, there's, like, not a lot of dialogue. But that almost makes it harder because it's all sort of, like, visual storytelling. And, um, you know, the character itself, we had a lot of conversations, like, about this because it's a little girl who dies, and she's, you know, in the script, she's, like, six, seven, Mm -hmm. something like that, um, and dies and then kind of comes back as this, you know, sort of, like, young woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, like, how how to sort of project that younger um, sort of innocence into an older, you know, sort of body. Mm-hmm. And, and you can almost witness this growth in the ghost, like, she's growing up, like, it's a kind of coming of age, in a way, mm-hmm. um, for the ghost character, like, learning about the world from more adult eyes. Um, and uh, I don't know, I always thought that was kind of a... It was a tricky balance, you know, yeah. for sure, you know, with all of it, but um but I think we really tried to kind of pull that off. Mm-hmm. So. What was
0: the dina- uh what was the dynamic between you two in this movie? Were you between us? Yeah, um, were you directing Sylvie like you would another actor or were you pretty so It was different. like a symbiotic understanding of so different. We well, communicate
1: we, very well. Very
2: well. We're like almost always, <laughs> always just like right on the same page. Like you know Yeah, yeah. you know
1: Okay, okay yeah, roll camera. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, you like don't even have to say, yeah, like, yeah. full words. We're just well, like, oh, yeah. Oh. We're both Gemini, so. Yeah, yeah. Which um, is actually kind of <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, part of the whole, like, double walker thing. Because of,
2: like, doppelgangers and
1: <sighs> Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, as far as that goes, like, direct, you know, I think our working relationship was very different than any other actor that I've ever worked with before or since. And it's because it was developed together, because we it was very much of a collaborative collaborative effort. Like the film is not you, the film is not me. It's like us plus all of our wonderful, you know, casting crew who came and like put in so much effort, so much talent. Yeah. It was um, so collaborative. Very like, conversational.
2: Like honestly, even saying this is our film, like it right. is, but it became so much more, I I, I think that like, mm-hmm. it just took on a life of its own, because so many people brought themselves right. to the film in right. a way that we like, could not have ever predicted, yeah, for sure, it's just so everybody, boring. I mean,
1: even like Quinn, like literally, he wrote that father eulogy on the plane as he was flying in, you know, for his <laughs> shoot, you know, mm-hmm. and it was like, everybody sort of got it, you know, and because it was a, it was a big conversation with everybody, which was really such a different kind of process. I mean, compared to the other films that I've made and, you know, I know Poser was a little bit more like scripted, like where it's, it's not that we didn't have a plan. It's just, we like really allowed the day to speak to us, Mm -hmm. you know, and like offering up, you know, getting advice from everybody on set and like making, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody was like, like, yes, there are credits given to each person but I mean our crew was like seven people or something like it was tiny um and so everybody was doing everything and so there was no nobody you didn't listen to Uh you know so everybody had their thoughts and Mm -hmm. would come in and we would listen to it all it was great
0: yeah yeah
1: that's amazing (laughs) yeah it was cool it was very unique yeah
0: Did you have some? Yeah,
3: I have plenty. Keep going. Okay.
0: I I can keep talking on that topic. I I think the one thing, though, that I have noticed about y'all's crew, since this is the second movie we've released kind of in your ecosystem, Mm. is it seems to be that's the way you guys make films. Mm. It's like with friends. is a very casual, like, working dynamic. I mean, there's if you look at some of the greatest film crews of all time, that's the way that they all were. Some of the best yeah, movies true. ever made. Everybody was a friend. Right, right, right. I know, Like speaking of Wes Anderson at lunch, like yeah. they're all the same people. They're All, all the same, the same crews. You got the. You also have like a, um, Vince Vaughn and those crews of people like, all working together. And
1: yeah, definitely. And even like um, it, it's funny. Like I I really like Kubrick a lot. And like it was funny because his thing was like he actually started with really big crews and by the end like his the last few movies he made his crew was like 10 people mm-hmm. and like he'd just take time you know and it was like that was the the third sort of factor um and so I just think it's like I don't I think it can really you can really benefit from it you know it
2: felt like summer camp
1: yeah it was totally like in summer the dead camp of vibes. winter in the, de- the
2: movie <laughs> so <cold. laughs> because it was like the whole crew except for me, because I lived right around the corner from the house we were... Right. You know, from our, like, base camp. The whole crew was staying in the house that we were shooting in. Right. Which was haunted.
1: We can get into that later. Yeah, it's a
2: whole <laughs> different thing. But, um, and so it was, like, literally, like, the crew wakes up, has breakfast together. We're all, right. like, in the... I would walk over, and, like, we're all in the living room having our morning meeting, and everyone's yep. all tired and groggy, <laughs> you know, it's been... Two yeah, three yeah, weeks yeah. at this point, we're just like everyone's comfortable with each other and like is on the same page. Right. And I think we, you know, we tried to make sure that everyone felt comfortable communicating and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. It just it just felt like you know, like when we cut on that last scene and it started snowing, it was just like, oh my yeah, God. it was like <laughs> the last big hurrah. Before yeah, everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. It's home. like tears
1: mixed with snow. Yeah,
2: like. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It just yeah, it was it felt like a family by the end and um for sure yeah i think just having a crew so tight-knit just made it i don't think either of us any of us really were thinking about like the end product we were just like this is fucking fun yeah 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 for Mm -hmm. sure yeah
3: for sure What, what do you think it is that um what do you think it is that makes an experience like that is it those past relationships or is there something that um, you both brought to the set and, um, you know, how do you run a set to make it such a good experience?
0: Hire all your friends.
3: (laughs) Hire your friends. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I mean that's definitely
1: true. Um, but I think it's about like destroying the hierarchy of it because I think that there's like
2: mutual respect,
1: mutual respect. And like everybody has their very unique skills and talents and like, and and like being okay i think with like saying i don't know or what do you think Mm -hmm. rather than like like as a director especially like i think often like directors are like oh you you have to know everything and whatever like but it's like no actually like the best thing you can do is like collaborate and like you know like even like as an actor like i always like to say like my actors are just the department heads for their characters so it's like it's not about i'm gonna come in and say what's right or wrong or like whatever, but it's like, well, what do you think? Like, and, and it can sort of like be a conversation. Um, and I think like that, and hopefully at least sort of instills like confidence in your crew that like, they're putting their best work out too. Mm -hmm. And like, Mm -hmm. they can have, like, they can see themselves in their work, you know, and giving people the the time of day to sort of do that, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what made me fall in love with just like the process of filmmaking is just what an incredible collaborative feat it is I mean every single person on set is a necessary cog in the machine and when it's well oiled it feels like fucking magic I mean it's so incredible to watch everyone do their thing there were moments I mean being on the poser set and the double walker set where I would just like be watching everyone do their thing and tear up. I mean it was it, it's just like so beautiful and incredible sure. to me. And I think like yeah, I I think the hierarchy has to be destroyed in order for everyone to feel comfortable and heard and important because the fact of the matter is a movie doesn't get made unless you have all the necessary components and everyone has a specific job that they're good at and mm-hmm. that needs to happen and um So I think we both just brought respect and open ears and open minds to Mm -hmm. set and tried to make sure that everyone felt respected and important. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's (laughs) what makes the difference between it being a job and it being a project that you're working on. You know, like, Uh you're either showing up to work and you're getting through the day or you're showing up to set and having a good day with your crew
3: uh-huh.
1: yeah totally I think that was like you know one thing about our set too was like yeah was like people were able to kind of show off their, because it was a small set like people were able to kind of do some fun things that they don't normally get to do on a lot of sets you know and we were, were encouraging that you know if like lighting setups or trying out a new camera rig or things like that so um so all that stuff was was fun and
0: on big sets, no one touches anyone else's I know. stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't handsome. come near my camera. Don't, I'm falling out of my chair,
1: too. <laughs> Just like,
0: yes. uh, don't go near the lights. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. But,
1: Which is understandable. I mean, there's like a safety factor when there's 100 people on set. Of yeah, course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, so.
2: But yeah. I mean, yeah, we had so few people that it's like, we, we were all wearing many hats.
0: Right. Were, was but everyone on the crew, so. were you all friends? Or did you hire some people that you didn't? Other than the actors. I
2: didn't know most of the crew. Go, maybe any of the crew. Go, uh, yeah, most of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Colin, knew.
1: Yeah. You've worked with everyone. I brought in some people. Uh, yeah, and then... And it kind of... I say our crew was like seven, but it kind of ebbed and flowed depending on the day. Because mm-hmm. some days we needed more um, for certain things. And so we'd bring in kind of some more people that you know either you knew from town. I mean, like... So Sylvie produced the film and it was like... You know, I haven't been, I haven't lived here in ten years, so I didn't know you know quite exactly what the scene was here anymore. So it was good to um, you know work with you and then some of the loose films guys like Brett, who was um, really helpful. So,
3: what was the hardest sequence to shoot? Hmm. Well,
2: I have my answer. Ooh.
3: Oh yeah, I'm sure you do. I, I have
2: know exactly. My what, answer, I know exactly. Which is running naked through the woods when it was. Literally below freezing. I mean, maybe in the single digits. It was very cold. It was was the coldest day. It was the coldest day, and it was the day that I had to run naked through the woods, and lay there on the frozen ground after... Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler! After having killed uh, Jack's dad, and... Gut-wrenching I... Oof.
0: When that reveal happens, you're like... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sorry, if you haven't seen the movie, it's on you. Go watch the movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, that was like... Our our art director, Katie Harriman, was standing right behind the scenes with just a big blanket, and after every cut, she would just like, wrap me up in it, and I was just like...
1: We had like a little heater thing going on. None of it really worked. We'd go like
2: wait in the van, you know, like warming up, but there one of the takes where I'm laying next to him as he's dying I literally blacked out from the cold for like a few seconds while we were rolling and was just like whoa that was weird okay (laughs) like just got so cold that my vision went black and realized we were still rolling and I was like oh shit I have to be acting right now um it was gnarly though it was did you have shoes on when
0: you
3: were
2: running in the woods?
3: So Colin was like, Colin. do it again, just don't <laughs> black out this time.
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A little less blackout on this tape. Yeah. Um. No, everyone was like very much working to keep me as warm as possible. And we, we did it pretty quickly, like yeah, we as, tried to it as quickly as we were able to. But mm-hmm. that was um, an intense practice in meditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sure. say
0: that. Do you sure. do cold plunge showers now. <laughs> No, but I but
2: I do I am much less quick to complain about the cold cuz I'm like, man, remember that time you were butt ass naked in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the woods? And you Can't have to like it's filmed. It's right.
0: for everyone to always remember that you did that. Yeah. But also like even in the other scenes like
1: you're just in a t-shirt.
0: Like it's really Yeah, I mean weird. it was cold
2: the whole time, but yeah. that was Yeah, that was something, something else. That
1: was intense.
3: Yeah. What about for you, Colin? What was the <laughs> most difficult sequence to pull off for you? Um I don't,
1: there I think like there was only like some technical difficulties because I do think that there were some like creative challenges along the way, but like the support system of the crew and Sylvie like really kind of like got us through a lot of that stuff. But I think like the day we shot the movie theater stuff was all kind of all at once, and um, it was just kind of a long day, and we kind of um, had a lot to get through, and it was again like a cold day, and like they were all cold days, but it was also night, so it was it was just. Um, a lot, you know, and it was sort of towards the end, so the crew was, like, feeling, like, kind of burned, but, you know, we, like, got some pizza and stuff, and, like, try to keep everybody happy, um, but, uh, but, yeah, some of those, like, technical things where it's, like, okay, like, let's keep going, we got this, you know, we got this, like, just a little bit more, and, like, you know, because some days we only shot for six hours, but some days we went way longer, and it was, like, 12, 14, you know, -hmm. we try to keep it all more reasonable, but, um, but, yeah, so there were some harder days like that, you know, I suppose.
2: There was also, I don't know if it was difficult in that it it took a long time to get done, but it definitely was like one of the more coordinated shots is that end shot, the 360 shot at the end, which was like.
1: (laughs) All hands on deck. uh,
2: All hands on deck, and literally, like, everyone had a thing you know one person was in the kitchen like okay turn the light off now okay turn the tv off now okay and then like just through the blinds and <laughs> i was like, I was like the light. yeah i was like behind the couch like closing the blinds and putting <laughs> the blanket back in its exact place and like yeah i mean i i wish we had a behind the scenes video of that because that yeah, was yeah, definitely yeah. like choreographed like that's yeah. probably mm-hmm. the one scene that we really had to like oh
1: yeah that's true that took many it took many takes yeah but it was worth
2: it yeah it was cool and mm-hmm. it was fun
3: yeah
1: Great Um, You you gotta wait till the very end of the movie to see that shot
3: (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about the talk to me about the edit So you had a very experimental way of making this film And I I think you told me before that um, You had to cut quite a bit from your first cut In order to sort of find the diamond in the middle of it So what was that Yeah Andy
1: totally Um, Well first off Kira Burton was our editor and is so talented and helped us through that whole process. Um, she had a great head on our shoulders and was able to kind of keep it all straight um, in this way. And she was actually she came to Columbus for a couple of weeks to like be with her, be with us during the shoot, which helped got haunted. She was in the haunted room in the house. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, to that. <laughs> and she she and I mean the movie was also like as a as an aside too. It was like it was all. Edit over Zoom because we shot the movie in February and then the pandemic happened in March or January, February, and then um, you know we had to do the whole thing editing on Zoom. So it was new; it was a new thing for both me and Kira to sort of work in that way. Um, but essentially, like it, it was just a whole bunch of experimentation and sort of like an unbelievable amount of charts and sort of like um, graphs about timelines because there's really five or six concurrent timelines happening. Um, and we're jumping between them. And sometimes you jump and it's only one shot, but it's like 4,000 years in the future, with you know, like with like the future ghost, like as like, you know, this this character in the desert or whatever, we're bouncing way back to when she was a kid and it, it bounces all over the place. So um, I remember also having this um, Excel spreadsheet uh, with all of the scenes written on it and like color coordinated as to like who's in it, if the mother is in it, what, what day it was and all that kind of stuff and it would that chart would always change as we were changing the 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 edit and it became a writing process like I've never been in a more more of a writing process in an edit than a than than this movie um because I think the script is so loose and the shooting the shooting was so loose too and it was yeah it was about like okay like distilling and finding the kernel and we I mean yeah like you know we had these like 10 minute sequences of b-roll with just score you know and that was like and there was there is a movie that exists like that but um but you know keep you know and it, and it's just i think it was realizing that like the whole movie kind of feels like b-roll like it really all feels like this big tone poem and um and so you know it was it was about like editing to the feeling editing to the emotion rather than editing necessarily to the plot it, it's cuz it's not an A, B, C, D kind of plot it's like a a z d 3 7 f kind of plot um, thing, so it was very, like, trying to find its way through in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, as far as the editing also being a writing process, I, I really wasn't that involved in the editing process at all, except for that...
1: Giving notes Colin. on cuts and stuff, yeah.
2: Yeah, like, Colin would send me some of the cuts, and watching it evolve over the months they were editing it was really fascinating, because even the first cut was different from our script and then from the first cut to to the film that's about to come out tomorrow night I mean there were so many different stories like it, it really took on so many different forms just with the elements that we shot um Right yeah oh. it was it, it was really interesting to, to see for sure yeah. What were
3: some of the biggest differences
2: I think I mean you would know more intimately, obviously, but, like, from my perspective, just getting these cuts, it was, like, I mean, obviously there's differences when there's, like, no sound and being score and stuff, but um, as far as, like, the story, it did really go from more... It was even more, like, atmospheric and um, emotion-based, I feel like, in the first few cuts, and really kind of took on a plot as it evolved... Cause honestly, I feel like even by the time we finished shooting, we were just like, "Okay, we have this thing." <laughs> still, yeah. kind of don't know exactly yeah. where it's going. Um, and yeah, I feel like it just—it just took on a life. It—it it, yeah. it went from sort of being this, uh, yeah, visual poem, which I think it still is, but was given mm-hmm. more uh, plot.
1: Mm-hmm. And it was also about like organization of the scenes, like the order, the order of them, because it it works in almost any order, um, but it's a different story. And so it's about like, I mean, like you were saying, oh, the reveal of like, when you know that the dad is the dad, Um, like all that stuff is like, you know, carefully sort of like chosen as to like when you get that information. But, um, you know, there's like a version of the movie that's like chronological and, It's just really flat, you know, Uh, because like even it's really like a noirish mystery that we build, you know, with like we get these little tidbits of the little girl and you're like, wait, what's going on with her with these with her dad? Oh, what's going on with her with these men with her dad? And then it's like it just keeps and then like where they at the oh, they were at the funeral and then they were like, you know, it's sort of like it's really about piecing together the puzzle, Um, whereas if it were all in order. Um, it would have, you know, you sort of give away all the stuff at the beginning, and then it's like, you know, it doesn't make sense. But we really tried to, like, put a subjective lens into it and, like, put the audience in the shoes of the ghost, you know, sort of trying to remember these things. Um, And I think a big difference was what we ended up doing is, in the script, actually, the, like, the day of the funeral was kind of spread throughout the whole movie. But what we ended up doing and finding was more successful was Putting the funeral right up front, so the beginning of the movie is like this five-minute silent short film um, that is essentially like following the mother on the day of her daughter's uh, funeral. Um, and so you see her wake up, you see her like cleaning up the mess, you see her at the church, um, you sort of hear a eulogy a little bit, but it kind of drifts away, and then um, at the you know at the um, cemetery and at the wake and so forth. And it's just very tonal Um, and it kind of gets you into this like world of, um, you know, pain and loss. And then you leave the mom for like 20 minutes and then like eventually you like walk into the house. Your character walks in the house and like just takes a seat next to the mom. You know, and you're like, oh, those two are connected somehow. And then you like cut to another thing. And then you have to like wait until you, you know, so it's all, it was a very precise sort of like stitching um, that needed to happen with all
2: and originally it started with the wrestling match yeah the, movie the wrestling cold match cold opened with the wrestling match yeah so it was like a <laughs> oh, totally different really yeah
1: yeah 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 it was just like boys fighting which is what we kind of wanted this like you know because it is like this adolescent movie right where it's like about a little girl but also this sort of young woman um and you know kind of their relationships with trauma and so forth and yeah it opened on the wrestling match but without context it was just the wrestling match and then like it would cut to whatever and we tried that but it didn't it just didn't same work
3: that's amazing um i also wanted to ask um how much how much of the writing process i, I mean maybe maybe i'm bearing the lead here um spoiler territory Talk to me about the ending. And, um, you know, you can you can be a filmmaker who says, I don't want to really explain the ending if you want to. I never to. want to explain anything. But no, I'm kidding. Um, but I know a lot of people uh, who are watching this film are like, or, I'll talk for myself. Uh, the ending is like, wow, like something mind-bending is going on. Uh, like it touches me emotionally, but I don't quite understand uh everything about how I might interpret this. So for people at home who have seen the movie who are going onto YouTube to be like, I gotta figure out this ending. What what sort of tidbits can you yeah, sure. offer?
1: Well I think the first thing I always like to sort of say when it's like, what does it mean? Uh, you know, because you get that question a lot, especially because I make kind of weirder things. And with like very ambiguous all of my endings are super ambiguous always. But um But it's like the what does it mean question always comes back to like um, it means exactly what it is. And I think like the way in which I feel like if this is like a it's going to sound like a bullshit answer. But like if I could literally just like put it all in a sentence, like there'd be no reason for making the movie. Um, But it's about like, you know, it's about the feel rather than the sort of the the plot punch, I guess. And for me, at least. um, And it's always sort of like following the emotional track, which I think is why people connect to it, but are also like confused by like, oh, I felt feels, but I don't know why. And it's like Mm kind of, it's kind of like great to me, you know? Um, But I will say, yes, it's like an interpretive ending, but I have my own like very clear understanding of how the end um, works. And, um, you know, the whole question of the movie, right? This like, would you choose living one more day as a ghost or forever? I'm sorry, one more day as a human or forever as a ghost, um, you know, comes to be answered in both ways Um, at the end you sort of see both ways presented and then you know when you come back to that literally that last shot of the film um, you come to realize what she chose um, and how that kind of might have all really just been a sort of fever dream of trauma from the mom as well so um, I think there are like a lot of kind of like threads it's a very much like a mosaic of tone and feeling um, that I think I don't know to me is sort of more powerful than than being overly explicit although i do i think we i hope at least that we sort of successfully wrote this line of being like ambiguous enough to like interpret but also like plotty enough to like have some kind of you know you can get your claws in slightly at least you know
2: yeah yeah i think for me um i also definitely have a clear <laughs> Kind of uh, understanding of the ending and and what happens i I do think that um, the meaning depends on the person watching i mean I, already from what I've heard from people who have seen it, it like with anything, it depends on your perspective and your experiences and uh, the way your mind works um but I think uh yeah, for me, the, the, the whole movie sort of, I've always had very vivid and often lucid dreams, and they typically feel a lot like the film, like very just like kind of piecing together, but mostly what I remember is how I felt. Um, and I think that sort of is like, we went into it definitely with this kind of dream, trying to create this sort of dreamlike state. Um, and without, I don't know, I'm hesitant to, like, say exactly what the movie, what the ending means, because I do like allowing people to, to fill it with their own ideas, but, um, I will say that, to me, this movie has always been about the mother, um, it's, 100%. it's her story, it's not ghost's story, really, um. It's it's about the mother and the mother processing her own trauma and grief and, um, you know, Ghost is a, a fantasy of who her daughter may have become, could have become, um, in an alternate timeline. And, uh, yeah i might leave it at
1: that (laughs) i think like uh i think you totally touched on something though that's great because i think the film if you look at the first shot of the movie and the last shot of the movie they're the same shot um and it's the mother waking up um and i think that it's like this it's a it's a very cyclical structure the whole movie like the little dialogue that there is is often repeated like a few times um, and you get to, like sort of recontextualize like what she means by what she's saying as she's explaining her dream and so forth. But like, yes, the mother waking up—it's it, like, hopefully, we've constructed this piece where like when the movie is done, it feels as if you've woken up from a dream because it is, And when you when you do wake up from an actual dream, it's like things are muddy and messy. Like you can remember who was in it and like where it was kind of set, but all that disappears like pretty quick. And it's like, wait, was that? like what was going on that you know in that like but but you feel the feels like you can wake up anxious or you can wake up sort of you know happy or whatever it is because of the dream so uh it was delicate but i think like you know that dream state is very important yeah
3: um you're wrong it's a time loop uh grandfather paradox yes I like this. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you.
0: There this will is be a certainly exclusive. Productive. Colin and Sylvie reveal the movie. Confronted <laughs> by
3: the Confronted. distributor. Um, the faceless distributor sitting yeah. behind the camera. Um, <laughs> we'll flash your photo of Andy. <laughs> uh, you've hit literally everything in my notes. So, what, what else do you have, Eric?
0: Boy, uh, let's talk a little bit about just making movies in Ohio. Is this your first first movie in Ohio?
1: First feature film shot in Ohio. How was that? Great. I would absolutely make movies here, 100% all the time. Um, Yeah. And I've
2: I've never known anything else. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's
1: it's definitely home, and and I feel like I don't know. Again, like I'm incredibly nostalgic, so like being here is like it's inspiring in the most pure way because you know living in Los Angeles, it's just like the environment is not. It's foreign. It's a little Groundhog Day. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's paradise every day in the worst Being way. Being here
0: for a year, I feel like the seasons, they've Season. rejuvenated my yes, soul. I agree. It gets a little soulless out there. Let's bring we more. need the winter. You need it. You, you need to Everyone's slow down. Everyone's soul has to
2: die a little bit yeah. to be reborn in the spring. You I know Yeah, what you mean? exactly. <laughs> I know.
0: That's what someone told me when I moved back. They're like, we actually need the winter to yeah. slow down. And I was like, yeah. yeah, I was going 100 miles per hour, 365 in California. And I felt less creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like this film is—it's uh, its like a smaller film, just like crew, sure. budget-wise, but like it has such a bigger feeling to it, mm-hmm. and I feel like that was the, probably the state, you know, yeah. uh, For the sure backdrop, the, the crew that you all made your movie with, and yeah. I feel like it all comes through.
1: Well, and that's the thing too. I think it has a really unique look because it is shot where it's shot, and not many things are yeah. you know shot here in Columbus, and. Um, You know, so I do think it has like a world to it that isn't explored on on film very much, Mm -hmm. so. But it is cool
2: that, sorry, it is just cool uh, when Columbus people watch the movie and can like, Recognize places, yeah. you know, like already people have been really excited about Studio 35, and like yeah. I don't yeah, know, even sure. just some of the street shots that yeah. we've gotten, like people recognize while oh, you're walking down, and you know, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, have you thought about people now recognizing you? Has it happened yet? I mean, I feel like once the movie comes out, people, everyone see in it, this city or if knows it hits qualms. a big knows, streaming platform, silly, anyway. Uh, so you're already, well, you're already a little local legend. <laughs> 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 Total legend.
2: A lot of people yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm e- embarrassed to say like it, yeah I, I think a lot of people know about me already I am not necessarily looking forward to potentially being more recognizable but um, there's your but face handle it. I'll handle it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the, the anonymity is gone it's <laughs> gone that's
2: why I love masks actually yeah. mm. Can just masks. put so my yeah. hair in a hat, put some sunglasses on, and a mask. Walk outside, nobody I <laughs> it's a ghost. I love it.
0: <laughs> Give us the ghost story.
2: Yeah. Okay. You go. Is it, well, It's yeah. the first experience in it. True. Oh, so
1: it's not just Kira. It's
0: oh, you were wow. just in a haunted house.
2: It's
1: everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What? It's a very haunted house. Mm-hmm. So I, I had never experienced um, any ghost encounters before this, and I was not a believer. Um, and sinner. I'm not a sinner. Come on now. Um, I went uh, to uh, live in this house. So it's my friend David, David Ellis's house, and nobody had lived there for a few years. Um, and uh, so the, a lot of the movie was shot in that one house, um, and it's up here in Old North Columbus. And um, we, you know, I when I got to town for pre-production, I was the only one living in the house for about two months, um, and. Uh, very quickly had like an experience and and both david and Alyssa had experienced stuff when they were living there um and it was always very it was known to be in our friend circles. it was like it was a haunted house you know um and i was staying in one of the the rooms and had uh this experience at night where it was like i forget what it's called but it's like you wake up but your body is paralyzed sleep paralysis yes sleep paralysis but and i felt like i was being held down and it was like maybe a few seconds of like i definitely saw this like dark creature like you know above me and then it was like and and the and that was like pretty that was like the first few days I was there alone and so then I slept downstairs in the living room for the whole rest of the um the thing because it was just like too it was too intense and then when people started arriving I kind of feel bad about this because the one bedroom is like known to be the room you know like the room where shit goes down and um you know uh, Basically Kira ended up being in that room and it was a thing where it was like we were trying to keep it from her that like that was the room that was
2: Well Colin but, was like, do you think this is something we need to tell Kira about? Like do you think it's better if we tell her or don't tell or her? Don't like tell her. Yeah. if we tell her then maybe she'll just like it'll freak her out and she won't be able to sleep anyway But if we don't tell her what if she's just having experiences yeah. and then she's not talking about <laughs> it And that's exactly what yeah
1: it Turns out like she was like she was going through it Um Every night and like so hearing noises outside the window and all this stuff, and of course like there's like a church right across the street, like out that window of that bedroom, there's a church with the bells that goes off every whatever every day at you know noon or whatever, yeah. um, and so yeah, it was it was very haunted and it, and as it turned out, so the mother in the movie in the script uh, name name is Catherine like her character name, and um, the the day we were moving out of the house like getting all the crap out of the house, uh, we met the neighbor. And the neighbor was like, oh, what have you guys been doing over there? It seems like you've been working on something, you know, whatever. And we're like, yeah, we were, you know, shooting this movie. And he's like, oh, you know, that place is haunted, right? Or, and we're like, oh, yeah, okay. And they were like, yeah, the woman who died there 10 years ago, uh, her name was Catherine. And she, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Catherine. And so it, was, um, it all kind of came full circle. But yeah, it was, yeah. it's a, a void.
2: I mean, That's... and yeah, at a certain point, I think everyone on the crew knew, except for Kira. Yeah. And so we were all just like, Dude. everyone was sort of on the lookout for like weird shit happening, but we were like <laughs> trying to keep it from Kira because thought that would be better. But then, yeah. After or like. Sorry, Kira. <laughs> the day she left, or something, or after she left, was yeah. like, yeah, I was actually getting fucked with pretty <laughs> hard in there. Like, yeah. 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 Pretty um, rough. But she was editing, so hopefully was. it was. Uh, inspiration it was
1: inspiration in some way <laughs> but she hadn't had an experience before either so it was one of these things where I think everybody going into the movie wasn't a believer everyone leaving the movie really was you know by the Uh-oh. end of it so well, not everybody I, I was, you definitely but... were and I, I was to an extent maybe that's I don't know we'll see but anyway <laughs> that's a great
3: story. Interesting story yeah
0: yeah spooky
1: mm-hmm. spooky well
0: I don't really have anything else for you guys
1: well thank you both for... yeah,
0: yeah thank guys. you guys for coming here Wish you so much success with this movie. Thank you. Tomorrow thank you. night comes out. After uh, the race. November 12th. Yeah. So if you're listening to this Crazy. and you haven't seen it, that's weird. Go watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> and thank you for watching it. Yeah, thank you.